once we got to the UK, the, the woman took the money and left us in the street. I was 10 at the time. Um, was homeless for a few days until then, foster care. You know, I've experienced some real life issues, you know, in relating to being trafficked or being in foster care or, you know, gang culture or just, just certain things that I've, I've experienced in life and I've, these things happen. But I'm also trying to be, show, show people in, in that situation that there's hope. I am like a huge NFL fan. You know when you're, when the quarterback is throwing the ball and he goes like, blue 42. <laughs> Why does he say that? Or not that? <laughs> like... Hello and welcome back to Floodlight, the podcast from us here at the Anti-Slavery Collective. We're committed to helping to eradicate what's still a massive problem that affects every one of us. Around 50 million people are enslaved across the world, across all sorts of demographics, locations and societies. But it's a problem that we can all solve together. That's what we're committed to doing at The Collective. Raising awareness and bringing like-minded people together who are as passionate about tackling this crisis as we are. So thank you so much for listening in. Today we're delighted to welcome a sporting superstar onto the podcast. F.A. Abada is a tough-tackling, no-nonsense defensive end for the Washington Commanders in the NFL over in the United States. His journey to the top has been a rocky one. F.A. and his sister were trafficked into the UK when he was just 10 years old. They were left homeless as soon as they arrived and lived in 10 different foster homes over their childhood. F.A. is really open about his journey and how it affected him in his early life. It's quite extraordinary what he's gone on to achieve especially in such a short space of time. His positivity is infectious, and he's using his profile to help the world better understand how people can end up in such trying situations and what we can all do to help. I am like a huge NFL fan, like quite a dark horse NFL fan. I actually prefer, I shouldn't say this as an English person, but I think I might prefer it to football. Um, yeah. So it's unbelievable to meet you because I would, I just think NFL, or I just think American football is the coolest thing ever. Thank you. What's your, what's your favorite team? So I also shouldn't say this, but uh, I was a Jets fan originally. Okay. Well, they're doing good. Are they? Yeah, they're doing good. Okay, good. But <laughs> I... Closet fan over here. Okay, the, the one more question about NFL before, and obviously we can talk about NFL now. Um, you know when you're... When the quarterback is throwing the ball and he goes like, blue 42. <laughs> why does he say that? Or not that? <laughs> like, it's like why secret does he code. Say... That, that's... No, it's his, it's his cadence to kind of alert and let everybody on the line and his his um, offense when um, when he's going to snap the ball. So they're oh. used to hearing it in in practice. So when they go into the game, as he says it, they can time up when they move with the ball. So it's like a it's like a get set go type of. But for everybody has their own. Okay, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> Having that moment, I mean, what was it like when you realised that you loved this sport and that this was something that was going to, I don't know, it could change your life? 
um, that at the time it wasn't really something that I felt like would change my life because those opportunities hadn't presented itself until I worked out. No, until I got the phone call from um, Dallas or even flew out. Yeah, um, at the time for me, it was just really just something to do. It was an outlet. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a sense of community. It was, um, you know, and, and a, a sense of belonging, brotherhood, all of that stuff, and just being a part of a team. And, you know, and that was different for me. It's something I hadn't experienced. Um, but, yeah, it was that yeah it was an amazing it was an amazing experience i guess so sorry i'm i'm just now rabbiting on but the 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 moment then when you did get the call was was it like a i mean you've you've basically fallen through the crack your whole life you've never mm-hmm. been looked after by the system or anyone apart from your mum and sister um so when you actually got that call and someone believed in you is that like was it was that hard to believe because you've you've kind of not had that um yeah i feel like it was like a really it was like a golden ticket you know um yeah like i still had to overcome a lot of um adversity whilst being in the league but it was just this amazing opportunity that i was given and i was going to make the most of it you know while i had it um but yeah it was was, like i said it was like a golden ticket and fa how many games had you played before you were scouted by the nfl or how long had you played for um, I played for a couple months and I played five games that, for the uh, London Warriors. Isn't that crazy? I mean, don't people, I mean, I don't know because I'm, as you can tell, not remotely a professional sports <laughs> woman. Um, it was never really in my, in my repertoire. Um, but don't most people train for long, long periods of their lives to achieve a dream like this? Definitely. A lot of people that are in, in the same locker room as I, they've played this game since the age of four. And you know when I when I share with them how long I've been playing for, they they're just amazed and you know they commend me for my hard work. But it, it, I also commend them for for being able to do something for so long from from a young age and being able to make it to the highest level. It's it's also commendable that level of commitment as well. You know I'm I'm very fortunate and I'm very blessed to be able to be in the, the locker room in those rooms with them and have that experience. But. It just shows that, you know, it, it's very rare. We know that you have quite an interesting story and a, and a different circumstances in, in, to most people. And I just wondered, um, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences growing up, um, if you're happy to share? Of course, of course. Um, in terms of how I got to the NFL, it's definitely been unorthodox. And it, prior to that, it's, you know, just the life I was living as well. Um, I can I started off obviously I was born in Nigeria and um I'm one of two myself and my sister we uh stayed in Nigeria my and then when I was born my my mom she she went to Holland to better her life and and, and further her her um education because the situation that she was in wasn't one that she wanted and she was happy with um, the situation between and then I was looking, I was looking after, I was being looked after by my dad, and this, that situation broke down. Um, we found our way to my mum, who was in Holland at the time, um, and that through that process, nothing was above board, so we had to, um, you know, we had to go, you know, I had to use different means in order to get into the country. Um, I was really young at the time, so I just, I just did what the adults said. Um, I was. I think it was about five at the time. My sister was six. Um, so we got to Holland. 
that was the first time that I saw my mum. And, um, you know, I could just tell that it was my mum, just because of the way she, she embraced me. And it was definitely the moment that was sticking with me for the rest of my life. We stayed with her for, for a few years. You know, but she was a single mum. It was hard for her to look after myself and my sister, who has learning difficulties. Um, you know, so we we came up with a new plan, and the, the plan was to come to London and an English-speaking country, hopefully with better facilities and infrastructure and awareness in terms of the situation that um, we was in. Um, Mum found a lady that was supposed to bring myself and my sister to the UK, and then, um, like I said, nothing was above board. So prior to, after that, she would come. But once we got to the UK, the, the woman took the money and left us in the street. I was ten at the time. My sister was eleven. Um, we was homeless for a few days until we went into foster care, and we just grew up in this um the foster care system, bounced around from home to home. Um, you know, the situation and that we lived in just wasn't that of, okay, people, people that wanted to look after us. It was more of a financial game. So they treated us differently and, you know, to some degree like domestic slaves. And, um, but then we aged out of that situation, turned 18, went into shared accommodation with children, you know, and which is basically a home with other people in similar situations like us with no um, legal documentation with, and you know I couldn't further my education couldn't go into school and uh it was a higher education um so I just went in straight into work and that also posed a lot of problems because I couldn't get normal jobs because I was an illegal immigrant and so I had to look for a lot of cash and hand jobs you know um you know my hands were tied in a lot of cases and all situations um, so I got some trouble sometimes. Um, then I bumped into one of my friends and he, um, when I knew him prior, he was really skinny. And when I met him, he had gained some, some weight and he, he, had, he had some size to him. So I was really interested as to like what he was doing. He told me he started playing American football and that I should come. I had the physique and the height for it. I followed him. I fell in love with the sport. And a few things led to another, and then um, there was a coach at a time that was doing an internship for Dallas. Dallas came to London, and they were playing the game in Wembley. He was able to facilitate an unofficial workout for me. I, I went um, and worked out, ran as fast as I could, did all the drills as physical as I could, then I went back to work. The following year, they gave me a phone call saying, oh, like to sign you and add you to our team and our nightmare roster. Oh my god! Wow. You know, and it was you know it was exciting. But then, in the back of my head, I was like, "Well, how am I gonna go? Like, because I don't, I'm an immigrant, you know, and I, don't, I can't even leave the country." But they were able to facilitate that and sort that out. And um, one thing led to another, and and I've been in the NFL for the last you know, five, no, six, seven, wow. six, seven uh, years now. So yeah, it's been really wow, cool. and. Going back to the beginning, FA, from right when you arrived in in the UK, how were you? How were you found? As just it was it must have been you and your sister, aged ten and eleven. How did the how did the social services find you, or how did you find foster care? Uh, so there was a there was a security guard at, that worked in an apartment building where we was left off, and we explained our situation to him, which crying. 
and he was able to um he was he allowed me to phone my mom because I had her number and all our bag and you know through that um situation they they also informed social services and then social services got involved wow that's kind of how we went into it and how many different families um were you um housed with over the course of that the next 10 years uh probably more than 10 wow. yeah it's been it's, there was there was families where you know stayed for a couple of years but then there's families where there was like a couple of week here or a week uh, a couple of months here and, you know so it was just just bouncing from homes to home really and it was just yeah we were destroying it and so when you were bouncing from all the homes it must have been so difficult to 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 live anywhere because every time you knew yeah. you were going to get in something, you you moved on. Um, I think I think my longest stint was five years, okay. but um, in general, it was just it just felt it never felt like my home. You know, there was always this air of okay, well, this is this these, this, these people aren't my family. They're not my blood relatives. Um, the situation isn't this, you know, this isn't my home. My my mom. This is my mom. This is my dad. And you know, so it just never felt, no matter what the place and how long I stayed there, it never felt like home to me. Um, so, yeah, that's the only, that was the only thing. And when you were with these families, were you in school? Were you working for them? What were the, You mentioned that you, you went through some pretty severe hardships during those 10 years. So what was the experience like with different families? Um, it just, it's just different. It's just different. I, I, I went through the normal... Um, process of going to school and um you know and education it only it was only when i started went to college and wanted to go into university i kind of um like faced some some hurdles and some blockades in, in regards to like my status um i think for social services they had a duty of care to me as a minor and there was just some negligence on, on their part in, in terms of sorting out some of those issues um but I think the only good thing that probably came out of it was that they kept myself and my sister together and that kind of made those those experiences and some of those things bearable and, and easier. Um, yeah, because I had someone with me. It's like, that was my, my relative. And FA, going back a bit, at what point did you understand what had happened to you and the fact that you'd been trafficked to the United Kingdom? Because age 10, it can't have been very easy to comprehend I'm just curious at what moment you had that realization and then second part of the question what moment you felt ready to talk about it um well in all honesty I think I didn't realize what had happened in my life or what are things I've been going through until I actually got to the NFL until I, I stepped into that for that that role and a lot of people started um actually telling me what it was because for me it was it was normal a lot of my friends are, are, are in similar situations or in worse or and it was just it was just a, it was just the life that i was living you know it's just my life and that's what it is these are the cars i've dealt and and um and that was it and in town in the second part of your question i think it's i'm been given this amazing opportunity and this made this amazing platform being an nfl player and and I am, you know, I've experienced some real life issues, you know, in relating to being trafficked or being in foster care or, you know, um, gang culture or just, just certain things that I've, I've experienced in life. And I've had the opportunity now to be able to shed some light on it 
and say that these life things, these these things happen. But I'm also trying to be show show people in in that situation that there's hope, you know, and 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 that's really that's really it. I have the opportunity, I have the platform, so why not why not share that, you know? And hopefully, some people can draw some strength from that. And that's all I can. Yeah, I mean, Jules and I always talk about hope because a lot of the time um, it's there's, there's there's not much um, on, on the subject, and so. It's so wonderful that you do use your voice and that um, there is this lovely story that you've managed to to be the success that you are. I mean, how incredible that you, I mean, are doing what you do now. I, I just think it's, I think it's really cool. And um, thank you so much for, for giving us, you know, your voice, lending us that voice. Because I think, um, you know, our, our whole mission is to raise awareness and to share hope but also to share that yeah as you say it does happen um and people need to be aware of that you know um it's it's just it goes hand in hand i think and fa there aren't that many people in your position where you have both the platform to share the story but also a first-hand experience in the topic it's incredibly powerful you live in the uk don't you or uk and america yes but you don't have a uk passport is that right that's correct, yeah. So that's something that is, like, is you're, you're still applying for? Yeah, I'm still, right now, I'm still currently not a, I'm rep, I'm representing the UK and probably one of the only UK uh, English football, uh, American football players. And, you know, I'm still going through it. It's just, it's just not, uh, my, my citizenship hasn't been sorted out yet. Um, it, like I said, when I was, when I was a minor, it could have been easy, it could have been sorted out, but there was some negligence on the uh, social services part. But now it just, as an adult, just something I have to do. And every couple of years, rules get changed and, you know, the, the goalpost just keeps getting pushed further and further. But, you know, it's it, the, U, the UK is my home. It's, it's where I've spent most of my life. It's, you know, it's where my family and my friends are. It's where I intend to live once I'm, I'm done with playing American football. So it's just something that caused a lot of inconvenience and, and has put a lot of barriers in my in my in individual journeys, but you know. So hopefully one day I'll be able to sort that out. At least the goalposts don't change on the football pitch. Is that how you call it? <laughs> you call it a football pitch? <laughs> yeah. No, it's called a field. A field. A sorry. Is, yeah, refer to the stuff. Effie, what did it yeah. feel like the first time you got on that plane? to America because I imagine that's the first time you remember getting on a plane, flying over an ocean, going to a new country. It must have been crazy. <laughs> it was. I cried my eyes out. <laughs> I was on a flight for like 10 hours. And I, was cr- I probably cried for like half of it. Oh, no. <laughs> what were you watching on TV? Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't even remember. Some Something... something like coach carter or something american football yeah. related no that was a basketball but there's something inspirational some sports related i love coach carter yeah yeah but it was um but yeah it was it was i cried and then i got there and then you know it just every i, I played a lot of i played grand first Auto when i played uh gta so it just kind of looked like all the scenes that i've seen from grand theft Auto. sorry for, <laughs> for, for people like me what is grand theft auto is it a video game oh, oh come on jules sorry it's a video. <laughs> what is it it's a, it's a video game yeah. it's a yeah it's a kind of 
free play video game and it's it's based on America and they have lots of missions, but then the landscaping it resembles that of of America if you haven't been there. Got it. So I was just like, oh yeah, it's like the the overpasses and the big roads, and, you know, it's really cool. Um, Effie, tell us about some of the work you're doing with the NFL Academy and Big Kids and to support young people. Um, I, I don't want I don't want to take ownership and say some of the work okay. I've been doing. I just want to say that I've been privileged to be a part of some of these great initiatives that other people are doing, and uh, like Big Kids, who's run by Shaninga and his involvement and his influence. With American football, he's getting into schools. He's given kids from in Lambeth, from around uh, London, a great safe haven, a platform to just kind of have an escape and, and the second family. And I've seen it firsthand, and and it's it's amazing. They do amazing things. The academy, obviously, great initiative uh, into schools, giving kids education, as well as um, um, some American football experiences, and then trying to streamline that pathway from them to go into um, American colleges. A lot of people have gained offers and they're actually um, going to be in America uh, this year um, and then hopefully get into the NFL. You know, um, NFL Africa is going back to Africa wow. and, you know, bring, bringing people over here. And, you know, the IPP program is actually placing people on NFL teams and giving them a year's experience um, under on the coaching and, and that high level of training. There's just so many things that have come from you know the American football and that's creating opportunities and that's something that I believe in it's just about opportunities do you help with you know? coaching as well um <laughs> I wouldn't I'm I'm like the I'm like the weekend dad that just comes in has fun and then leaves <laughs> you know <laughs> like I just, you can you can do coaching when you're older when you've done the whole taking the hits you know Exactly. I, you know, but I, I do give like some really, I do try to give as much advice from based on my experiences as I can when I'm around them. Um, when I'm around the academy and some kids, I reach out to me on social media. But for the, um, for the most part, I'm not as involved as the coach. And they've got some really good coaches already um, that have experienced, um, that has a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge of the game. So I just go in there and just try to um, just interact with them on a, on a different level, you know, because of, the life experience i mean that's great so then not only are you playing football but you're going into schools and getting to inspire kids like right then and then yeah that's 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 real fun for me i enjoy that i love it so it's like you're you're doing it with your voice um about human trafficking and modern slavery and you're doing it with your feet for um american (laughs) football (laughs) yeah it's been a very uh eventful <laughs> yeah eventful life but no it's um honestly i'm doing i'm doing what i love it's fulfilling it's it's, it's an amazing opportunity i'm able to provide for my family um I'm able, i have a great platform to be able to share my life and experiences um you know my my name is associated with lots of good and you know it's just i can't i can't ask for more and F.A., what would be your advice today to others listening to you tell your story and how would you how would you instill hope in them, even though you have already today? What would be your, your kind of parting message for them? Um, I think just have faith, really, you know, and just have faith in, in, in that, in that things are going to get better and that it's possible. 
the things are possible, that the things that you want for our life you're not you know are possible. You don't have to accept what life gives you. Um and you're not defined by the things that happen to you. You know, it's just there's lots of things that happen to lots of people in life and but those things don't define you. And and that's and yeah. I think we can all take advice from that, FA. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Um, I've absolutely loved every second of this. I want to keep talking to you because I want to know all the plays and everything. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I really think that, you know, you're such a wonderful person and, and you have such a powerful story of hope and our listeners and everyone out there, um, you know, to know that, that, that they can take hope from your story, I think is, is pretty powerful. So thank you so much for your time and energy and laughter. It's been a joy. Thank you, Ethi. And, and we look forward to following the Washington Commanders um, for the rest of the season. Definitely. <laughs> thank you to Ethi for joining us today. And yes, we will definitely be supporting the Washington Commanders from here on out. Join us next week for a fascinating discussion with Amanda Noyan. She's a civil rights activist who was truly instrumental in drafting the Sexual Assault Survivors' Rights Act. Oh, and she's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. In the meantime, if you'd like more information about how you can help us in the fight against modern slavery, then take a look in our show notes for loads of useful information. We'll see you next week. Floodlight is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.